WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week, our guest is co creator of the upcoming image series Ink Plot, Emma Kubert. Welcome Hi. aboard, Emma. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't as well. So we're all yeah. good. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Emma, I'll start with the usual icebreaker. Uh, what, what comics do you remember reading when you first got into them? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so honestly, I wasn't really into, like, the whole superhero comics when I was younger. Mm-hmm. The comics that I really liked when I was young was the... Uh, you know, like Cartoon Network comics, like Power Puff Girls and sure, yeah. all the robot chicken stuff. And mm-hmm. But I also really loved Calvin and Hobbes, which is an absolute classic. How can mm-hmm. anyone not love it? Um, but growing up, I didn't really read superhero comics or really kind of indie comics. It was more just the cartoons. Mm-hmm. So when I was maybe about 19, 20 years old is when I really started getting into it. And it was because of Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti's Harley Quinn, which really was the kind of breaking point when I was like, oh, oh, wait, I actually, I like this stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> that's where it came from. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you're you're here to talk about your upcoming image series, uh, Inkblot, uh, mm-hmm. co-created with uh, Rusty Glad. Uh, yeah. I'll read the uh, solicit to, you know, save you the trouble. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So uh, this new ongoing series follows a powerful sorceress attempting to correct her greatest mistake: the creation of a magical cat that can travel through time, space, and reality. The cat threatens to unravel the fabric of the universe, doesn't care, and just won't listen. Sounds like a cat. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, what's, what's the origin story for the series? How long have you been uh, kind of putting it all together? Well, I mean, I've actually been putting it together since I w- attended the Kubert School, which is probably around like four years in counting. Um, through a lot of different changes. I mean, when I was in school, it was basically like, I'll do a drawing of a witch with a cat here and I'll come up with a little concept over here. And then as you know, time went on, I kind of just started putting things together more. And then when we, we graduated school and we're in the comic industry and we're starting to put our art out there, um, that was the time when we really kind of solidified this concept and really just brought it to its full potential. <laughs> and, uh, and how did you and Rusty end up uh, connecting? Uh, we went to the same school. Uh, we went to the Kubert School. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the Kubert School, most of the time you actually spend all those three years with basically the same people in your class. And we were in the same class, so we already knew that we could work side by side and work together. Um, and we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses, so it really worked out as like a real partnership for this, is that since we kind of grew into our artist selves together, it made sense to, you know, have a project together as well. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the uh, the episode after this one actually uh, we're doing like a uh, back to school special, and Matt and I went up to the uh, the Kubert School for one of their open houses, and we did uh, a quick chat with uh, Anthony Marquis and uh, Fernando Ruiz. Awesome. So awesome. yeah, <laughs> I I I mean. I'm a little biased, I guess. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> but um, I'm kind of a fan of the Kubert School, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I would say in general, it's actually one of the best art schools to go to. And it really is because it it's really hard. That's number one. Um, it's very difficult to actually get through because you get so much work as you're going through the school. You're, um, you're doing 10 classes a week, two classes a day. So you have 10 assignments a week, every week. Um, you're at school all day drawing and then you go home and you draw more and then you fall asleep for a couple hours and then you draw more. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, a lot of work, but to be an artist, you got to draw. So mm -hmm. it, it makes sense that they're making you do it. It's like a comic book boot camp is what I would call it. Nice. <laughs> Not for the faint hearted. <laughs> and it has produced many, many a great artist. Yeah, it has. I mean, you know, a lot of them went through the school and a lot of them came out of it somewhat yep. alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. I have a soft spot for all of those Kubert graduates because I spent many, many years working up at Dewey's Comic City. So, oh, of course. <laughs> and so we had all of those graduating classes come for free comic book day for oh, many okay. years. I have a sketchbook full of sketches of Batman and his respective rogues gallery from Cooper School graduates. Uh, it can't be helped. I mean, they gotta go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, uh, getting back to Inkblot, uh, how how long did you toy with the design for the cat? Because you know, it's it's very unique. It's this like it's basically a void space in the shape of a cat with with these two big green saucer eyes i you know i i love it how you know how long were you playing with that <laughs> i didn't play for it that long at all i mean <laughs> i know that's kind of weird to say because it really is kind of when you look at this cat and as an artist you look at the cat you're just you're saying to yourself that's a great design element you know that's great composition and everything but when i was coming up with it i was thinking about my childhood cat which was a black cat um who was my best friend by the way <laughs> and, and um what was his name <laughs> her name was boosh <laughs> um she was she was very lovely i'm gonna say that <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um i think the biggest thing coming up with this design was that i was just thinking about an ink blot cat like what would a solid black cat look like on a white page and it was literally like my brush you know splotted a splot and I was like oh that's that's how it should be it should be just a black dot dancing around a page <laughs> and then that's that's when inkblot was born I mean 
doesn't even have a name. It's just a black cat. <laughs> that is what a dark colored cat looks like when you yeah. walk into a room and it's staring I at know. you late at night. Sometimes if you have a black cat and you lose it, it's usually like right in front of your TV. And all you see is you look at your TV because it's such like a dark blank space and then you see these two saucer eyes just staring back at you and you're just like oh okay there you are because it's just a black spot you know and that's what most black cats look like i just think of them as just a a blot in reality <laughs> and same with this one i guess <laughs> they they listen about as well as a blot of reality too I know, that's the main point. That that's what this cat is. This cat, this inkblot cat can do anything, go anywhere, has the magical, like, essence of a god, but it has the brains of a cat. So what do you think that cat's gonna do? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and of, to, uh, to prove a point, this will be the one podcast episode where we're talking about cats nonstop, and our third occasional co-host, my cat Bess, is not going to come upstairs. She is going to just hang out downstairs on the couch where I left her, because now would be a great time to be like, oh, look at the kitty, and no, she won't come up. She will show no interest whatsoever. And that's because that's what that cat wants to do at that point in its life. It yeah. just decides and it's done. And I think that's the most hilarious part about a cat is that they do whatever they want. So imagine <laughs> these godlike powers in a creature that can just do anything on a whim anyway. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Today has been a day of cat-related adventures. I, my wife is currently not home because she is sitting next to a bush outside of Dunkin' Donuts waiting for a kitten that she saw, a stray kitten that ran under the bush to come out so she can catch it and bring it to the 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 no-kill shelter near here. I was with her for an hour or so while we both waited, but had to come back to be here for this but she, she sent me a couple of pictures of the kitten and apparently someone drove up shortly before i came up here and left my phone downstairs and said that they were looking at the multiple kittens that have been living under that bush there are at least two apparently kittens living in this bush by the dunkin donuts uh that on the highway I'd be at that Dunkin' Donuts in a heartbeat <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we will we will catch the kitten and if if Bess would tolerate another cat in her space, we would keep the kitten. But Bess will, Bess loves people. Bess does not love other animals. We, we rescued Bess from a house with two other cats, three dogs, a parrot, a lizard, a few hamsters. The, the house was full of animals and Bess was this nervous wreck. And the minute she was out of a house with other animals, she became the chillest, sweetest cat. But it's like, we, we can't get this kitten. Although every now and then she'll hear kittens on the television and she'll stand up and she'll try to pat the kitten through the TV. But if there's an actual kitten there, she, she, she'll freak out. But so we, we've done this before. We've found strays and we've kept them in a little carrier. Mm -hmm. And we call those, we, we name all of them Toby. 
short for Toby Determined, okay. because we don't want to actually <laughs> name the cat, because oh. then we'll get attached. So we just call them all Toby Determined until we pass them on to their forever homes or the no-kill shelter. Well, that sounds like a great thing. I mean, ironically, I actually have a dog right now. So... <laughs> Hi, I'm the dog guy. Tell me yeah, about it. He's the dog her. guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love cats and I love dogs. I'm not like one or the other kind of person. I'm definitely for both of them. Um, and also, ironically, the dog that we have now, I mean, the dogs that we've had, we, we've only had two dogs, and they're, they were both black, too, so I don't know. <laughs> and they kind of act like cats, so I, I don't know either. <laughs> my, uh, my, I, I have too many introductions, and my, my oldest, uh, Chewy, uh, is definitely a lot more cat-like. She spends a lot of time uh, on her own, um, but her new thing is barking at the fridge because we have an ice maker now. And so whenever the ice shifts, it just, it sets, she hasn't learned. It, and I don't think she ever will because it's that same thing of like dogs bark at the mailman every day because when the mailman leaves, mm -hmm. they claim victory. They think that their barking made the, made the mail truck drive away. So I think Chewy thinks that her barking makes the ice stop. Maybe it was. You never know. <laughs> oh. oh, there's the. I, I, I wish Bess would think anywhere near that. She doesn't <laughs> think. She is very sweet, very pretty, and dumb as a stump. She has none of that native cat cunning. Our old cat, Felix, he was a clever boy, but, but Bess. Bess runs into glass doors that she knows are there. <laughs> Bess sits Aww. by the mudroom, staring out, waiting for the mouse to come back, while, I kid you not, the mouse is on top of the stove right above her, looking down at her. She, she is afraid of mice. Aww. There was one time she stopped going into the kitchen to eat, and we couldn't figure out why. We moved her food into the living room and she ate. And the next day I go into the kitchen and there eating one of the little pieces of food that had fallen out of the bowl was this mouse. And I'm pretty sure the, she'd gone out, saw the mouse by the bowl, didn't know what to do with it, ran away and was scared. I caught the mouse. I walked the mouse a mile and a half to the park to put the mouse out. I don't want best, you know, to be this hunter killer, but it's your job. You got one job, <laughs> two if you count snuggling, but you got one and a half jobs, and one of them is the, the, the just scare the mice away, and you're scared of them. Oh my sweet little dummy! Aww. Oh my sweet sweet little dummy! Cats come in all shapes and sizes, and we love them all. Hopefully, oh absolutely. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, because it, it's just, she's the almost the exact opposite of, you know, our old Felix. I mean, Bess is this, she's, you know, like a nine pound gray cat. She's long and she's sleek. Felix was 21 pounds of tabby. Oh, wow. And, and you know, <laughs> he, he lost some weight and he was, got down to, you know, he got sick and lost a bunch of weight. And then when he bulked back up, he got back to about 
between 16 and 18 pounds. And that was, that was a, he was a big cat to begin with as well as fat. He, on the other hand, was a killer and a jerk because all cats who are killers are jerks to the things they catch. That's true. But, although he they catch your hands. <laughs> oh yeah, believe me, I, I've got my share of scars. But no, one one night, this is the sorry, folks, for all the cat talk. This, but this is know, a very pet corner heavy episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but one, you know, he had you know apparently like kept mice out of that because Amber, my wife, had had Felix for five years before we met. Mm-hmm. So uh, he'd never caught a mouse, but there had you know been Amber never had mouse problems, so it was kind of clear that at least they were afraid of him. But one night, God, he must have been 13 years old. Middle of the night, he comes into the bedroom and he's on the other side. He's on the side, my wife's side of the bed on the floor. (laughs) Then he runs under the bed to my side of the bed and he's still going, but he's also about knocking against the the lap desk because i have one of those wooden lap desks as a fold-up thing to set a book on and he's thwack 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 and it's the middle of the night and amber gets out of bed and she walks over and she's like honey he's got a mouse 13 as far as we know it was the first time he caught a mouse and he brought it in and he was damn proud of that catching that mouse gotta show you i oh, mean yeah apparently they catch you know prey and they tear the head off right sorry listeners i guess <laughs> to be a little graphic i'm but pretty sure i talked about my dog killing a bunch of rabbits at some point so. all right well then good <laughs> <laughs> um they tear the head off and they leave it like on you know maybe your doorstep or something because they think that you know you're a human and you never leave your house all day even though you do um, and they think that you can't feed yourself, so they're trying to feed you. And I think that's the most cat attitude to have. It's like, you are helpless. Let me get that for you. And then they hand you a headless mouse. <laughs> the worst part was the mouse wasn't dead. He was letting it go and then chasing it down and pouncing on it again. Oh, my God. That's a killer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what eventually happened was when Amber walked over there, he let the mouse go. The mouse ran and got into a coat that had fallen off the coat hanger in the bedroom. And I just scooped up the coat and threw the mouse outside. <laughs> Felix hung out under the bed, staring at where he saw that mouse had run for like three days. He would go, he would eat, and then he would go back, waiting for it to come back so he could get it again. <laughs> he <laughs> was a head killer instinct that big old boy well the thing is um i'm gonna bring it back to inkblot because this does pertain <laughs> to this average life of a cat is that with inkblot i felt like there was a lot that i needed to expand upon mm-hmm. and it mostly inkbot started out when i was in school i kind of imagined it as a mini comic because It would be this magical cat that, you know, was a cat, but it was magical. And I thought about it as like maybe a mini comic or an Instagram comic first before we thought about it as like a full length comic. So as we got this opportunity with Image 
to draw like this full length epic fantasy comedy. I also started an Instagram mini comic of Inkblot. So it's at Inkblot Comic, that's the Instagram, but it's just little mini comics of the day-to-day magical happenings of this black cat. And it is stuff just like chasing like this hot headed lizard across, you know, this boiling lava. Oh. <laughs> he did come up to say hello. Mm. <laughs> Hi, little monster. And, um, but it's just like, I, I like hearing all of the stories that people have about their cats. And I like seeing people relate to, you know, the, this magical black cat that's like just being a cat in these magical worlds and being magical, but people comment and they're just like, that's exactly what my cat does, appear and then disappear all the time. <laughs> and I thought it was just like a cool way of like showing people, you know, this cat, it's just a cat and it's hilarious and silly and fun. But now we're going to embark on this giant fantasy epic battle book something i'm just saying words now but (laughs) 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 but i thought it would be cool if there was just the everyday you know this is what this cat is doing and it's super silly and then you have this epic fantasy that you tune into like once a month and i just expanding upon the inkblot world showing that inkblot cat being a cat but also being fantastical and amazing. That, that is fantastic. And uh, also, as we were having this 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 conversation about you know uh, people's stories about their cats, I, you know, I, I I was thinking, you know, if you ever get to the point where you can introduce like a letter column, you know, pictures of people's uh, cats or whatever with their own yeah. personal like you know cat chaos stories or something That's like exactly that. What I do on the Instagram is that people will send in you know like their. Like, I love seeing people's pictures of their own cats, and they're like, this is my little ink blot. And I'm just like, oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has one! Everyone has a magical little thing living in their house that could cause chaos at any moment. (laughs) And I thought it was fun. Um, so, so this is your first, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, creator-owned series, and you know you're splitting duties with with Rusty, uh, you know, but you're you're still you're drawing, you're writing, you're coloring, you're lettering, uh, because it's an image book. You know, there's back end stuff, obviously. Um, when you two decided that you wanted to tell this story, and and you know, in the monthly comics format, you know, and all that, did it did it feel daunting at all? Given you know you're wearing all those hats. Uh, yes. Um, I would say, (laughs) I would say the main thing that was just daunting to us was, you know, we're basically me and Rusty are at, I still consider myself at the start of my career. Like I'm, I'm just building up this momentum to try to tell my stories, which is what is what's happening with Inkblot. And, um, I think the part that was daunting was that when we were thinking about all those jobs that, you know, most of the time you have like five, six people working on a comic while with this comic, we only had two of us. So I was like, either I need to teach myself how to color better or letter better, or we need to hire someone. And I 
taught myself how to do things better because we're just starting out. <laughs> but it, it was actually, I actually like having that creative control over everything, especially since it's our own story. It's our own passion that's going into it. So a lot of the things that go into this comic are very intentional. Like Rusty actually made a font out of my handwriting and that's the font that the main character, the narrator, the seeker mm -hmm. um, is writing in, in those little text box. So that's actually my font, my handwriting. And I thought that was just a really cool touch. And it was just things like that, that we, that me and Rusty could do by ourselves since we're doing everything. It was just a little something that could really add to that passion and add to the storytelling of all of it. I just, I thought it was a cool thing to just add in there. So yeah, daunting, <laughs> <laughs> but I think having that creative control really was like, it's, it was very nice to have that kind of, yeah, it's all on me, but it is all on me and I can, and I can pull it off if it's what I like, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. <laughs> Were there people who's, you know, as, as you're putting all this together and you're kind of, mm -hmm. you know, teaching, you know, working on the lettering and everything like that, you know, were there people whose brains that you were able to to pick or kind of oh, yeah, consult definitely. along the way? I mean, anyone we could get a second pair of eyes on. I mean, of course, my family would always read anything that I'll put out or they'll see it before I even like send it back to an editor just because for me, I always need a second pair of eyes, but especially having, you know, direct immediate family that <laughs> is in the same exact industry that you're in mm -hmm. it's a really helpful thing to show said family member <laughs> that piece of artwork just to make sure that it's good and that's what I've gotten used to is that I'll have people around me that do the same thing that I do and they'll just be a great second pair of eyes to make sure that you know no mistakes are occurring or everything's legible um and i mean that being said most of the time it would be rusty and i also just going back and forth and making sure you know like if i'm done penciling something he'll look at it and be like you need to change this and then if he's done inking it i'll be like i think you need to change that and we just go back and forth constantly making sure that everything is up to our standards of, you know, creation. <laughs> um, and it's an ongoing, correct? Yes, it is an ongoing. <laughs> so so how, I mean, how far out do you sort of have planned at this point? Are you saying story or artwork? Story. I... okay yeah <laughs> um story we definitely have beginning middle end and we know plot points but we're seeing you know how far we can go with this if we can go as far as we can go i mean and that's a long time we're gonna have a lot of story for you because there's an infinite amount of things that a magical black cat can do but 
if there is like some sort of limit on it, we have the beginning, we have the middle, we have the end, and we're able to plan accordingly. I think that's the best thing to have for an ongoing series. Like, especially, you know, you have, you have comics, but you also have like TV. You want to make sure that you have that arc, you have that premise for the first season or the first pilot or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but you want to make sure that you can keep going with it. And that's what we have. We have everything planned, but it's not planned so detailed that, you know, we need to fall step by step. We can plan accordingly with what's going on with our story and, you know, the audience and just everything around us. <laughs> Um, how thick is your sort of, uh, you know, mentioning TV, your, your, your series Bible for this world, uh, as it were, you know, are there a lot of things that like you and Rusty know about your world that, you know, don't, aren't necessarily going to be in the first arc or just things that like, oh, this would be fun to see it in like, you know, future oh, yeah. arcs. <laughs> There's a lot of world building that went into this. I mean, as I said before, you know, I've been thinking about this for about you know four years or so and it's been through a lot of different variations i mean it went through you know the beginnings of just a concept and then i came up with a concept and a plot that actually became a kickstarter that was called willowbrook and then from there from that kickstarter i took that plot and i took my mini comic concept and i took a bunch of other concepts and with Rusty with me, we put it all together and we were just mishmashing things and that's what became Inkblot. So it was basically, I mean, a lot, a lot of worlds went into this thing and a lot of back thought and thinking things through went into it. So if I were to create my own concept art book, it would be you know, thicker than a Sandman on the bus. <laughs> It'd be huge because there's just so much that we did plan out that we did think of um, that, you know, there's so much to share that we couldn't just do in that one first arc. In our first arc, we really just wanted to set up a premise and show you the layout that it's you as the audience going on in a magical adventure with a cat that can go through time and space and you're meeting new creatures, new characters, and going on new adventures. And that's the simple premise, but there's gonna be so much more that goes into it and it's gonna be exciting. <laughs> um, did, did Inkblock get held up by, uh, by COVID at all? Uh, no, actually. I mean, that's great. I, I, as an artist, you just stay inside. So I, <laughs> sure, I yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Me personally and my family mostly are homebodies as well. So I, I think staying inside, it wasn't really affected much. Yeah. But I think like it, it it's it's so weird because like where we're at now with like comics coming out there's there's like the stuff that was like pushed ahead a few months by the diamond shutdown yeah. and then there was stuff that was probably coming out around this time anyway and you can never quite tell which is which is what because it's all been kind of mashed together. <laughs> no, I I totally understand. I mean, this is definitely a weird time that we're in, and 
it's, you know, 2020, the year of the black cat that plagues 2020. <laughs> Can you tell the cat to stop bringing whatever weirdness it's dragging into this reality at yes, every I'm sorry about that. That, second was, week. that was our bad. We're, we're plaguing the whole world. Sorry. <laughs> but, but again, it's a cat, so it wouldn't listen anyway. So. That is true. <laughs> right, Monster? But no, I mean, Image has been great working with us. We, they, they really were looking out for the best interest for us. Specifically, as I said before, too, is that we are just starting out and our careers are like right in the beginning. So having that push from Image really, really helped. And I mean, they seem that they really like Inkblot, so you know, and we like, really like Inkblot, so hopefully COVID won't matter and people will just like it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Inkblot's a fantasy book. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I imagine you're a big fantasy fan. Uh, you know, are there, are there touch points of the genre, you know, be they comics or novels, movies, whatever, that, you know, are, you grew up on or you're a big fan of personally? Well, definitely. I mean, a lot of, you know, Harry Potter, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, Lord of the Rings really went into this. Um, but even like stuff, media from nowadays, like Game of Thrones, I watched the show before I read the books. Um, uh, Stranger Things, even Gravity Falls, like a lot of animated shows. A lot of things go into this kind of YA fantasy type genre and it's mostly just the stuff that I personally grew up with like especially the things that are Harry Potter and surround Harry Potter mm -hmm. like the similar kind of genre of that was really the biggest influence that I had growing up um so you know if you're given an opportunity to tell your own story you gotta pick your favorite genre you gotta pick all the thing all the media that you look up to that you're inspired by mm -hmm. so that's that's why i went for it you know <laughs> absolutely have you watched the owl house i haven't what is that it's an probably most of the way through its first season on disney because it's um one of the writers for gravity falls oh man and it's the first disney show show run by a woman That's and incredible. alex hirsch creator of gravity falls is one of the main voices oh, that, i gotta watch it he's I the king of demons it. who's actually like this three foot tall adorable little thing that thinks he's the king of demons but he's really not uh, he, his name is just King, and he's adorable. And legendary actress Wendy Malick is the Owl Lady, and it's about a, a young girl who get who's sent off to the basically camp to suck the you know creativity out of you because she's too imaginative and she's always getting in trouble. And uh -huh. instead, she winds up passing through this portal into a magical world where she gets taken in by the Owl Lady and uh -huh. King, who is her pet. And she goes to magical school and it, it's wacky and it is the also the first Disney show with a queer main character. Yeah. Oh, oh that's the one that I heard of. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to 
watch that anyway. Oh, it, it's <laughs> delightful. And I, the episode that was, the new episode that was on this week looked, felt like the first part of the two part season finale. Mm-hmm. Because it was like the big, you know, bum, bum, bum to be continued ending. But I'm not sure. Maybe it's a mid-season two-parter, but it was like a big bum, bum, bum sort of moment. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really, it's really good, beautifully animated. Ah, the, the, awesome. the fight the fight sequences are straight up have this real anime feel, the, the, the magical battles that are mm-hmm. really impressive. And... But if you like Gravity Falls, I mean, Alex yeah. Hirsch as King and as Hootie, the owl spirit that controls the titular owl house uh, is delightful. <laughs> the, everyone in the show is delightful, but Alex Hirsch as King just <laughs> is, is, there are no words for how cute the King of Demons is. <laughs> are you a, a D&D person by any chance? Me? Yes. Um, no. Rusty kind of used to be, but not me personally. Why? What questions were you going to ask me? I, no, I'm ending it there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it would it would be a great hobby for me if there wasn't so much math involved. That's fair. <laughs> or that is very fair. <laughs> and you know the new edition is less math and it's still a lot of math if yeah i know it's, it's too not much your for thing. an artist like me <laughs> <laughs> i can do i can count pages <laughs> <sighs> oh man um yeah so let's 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 get into other areas um i was curious uh so you did uh layouts for the uh raven graphic novel at uh dc uh i was kind of curious like what that you know what that entailed exactly you know did you come um, in there before um gabriel piccolo and and kind of storyboarded it or, or you know well it, it was kind of um it was they they simply wanted to hire you know a story artist um i think you know they had gabriel piccolo maybe he couldn't you know do that much work or something like that so they mm-hmm. had me come in and i only did the first i think 60 ish 70 pages of the layouts but it was a really good um learning tool because it was kind of like storyboarding in a way but it it was for comics so it's a little different Mm -hmm. but I mean I would say it was a good experience it really helped me with my storytelling uh abilities and it also was a job that I got kind of right out of school like right at the end of school so it was really kind of that setting off point where I was like okay I'm gonna be a storyteller and I'm gonna keep practicing this <laughs> and I, I thought it was a really good experience I mean it really showed me the direction that I wanted to go for the kind of art and the kind of stories that I wanted to do um, which was the young adult uh, approach with my kind of art style, I was like, you know what, this, this kind of project, maybe I want to do the art later on instead of just the layouts, but I thought it was a really good experience. It really showed me what direction I wanted to go in with my personal work. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You've also done some work with DC's uh, Superhero Girls and Teen Titans Go comics. Uh, I was curious with those, you know, there's, there's usually a, a certain expectation that things be, you know, on model 
kind of comport to the, the the style of of you know the the animation or whatever that they're based off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're when you're working with a property like or properties like that, you know, do those ground rules they make things easier? You know, like the pressure's off, or is it a little bit more difficult because you know you've got to keep to this style that's not necessarily you know what you've been developing on your own. Well, I will say, like the Teen Titans Go. Um, story that I did was actually in my own style which was pretty cool so I got to like draw their characters but it was in my own style Mm -hmm. Um, and it was specific for that story and that's why they wanted me to do it but for the DC superhero girls I did have to do that on model Mm -hmm. and it was very challenging at first (laughs) just to switch those kinds of gears but once you get it um, and I was really thankful too because the editor of that book actually worked with me going back and forth and really checking, you know, how uh, to get it on model, which, you know, you don't usually get, but that was a really, really awesome experience. Um, but I would say working on model, especially with that kind of show where every character has its own little shape and own specific color and own little thing, it was a little difficult, but (laughs) I really, really liked the subject matter. Like I love DC superhero girls and that was really one of the main reasons why I wanted to work on it was because Um, because when I was watching the show to get, you know, kind of a glimpse at how to really draw these characters, it was, it was awesome because I wasn't really into comics when I was younger. I Mm -hmm. mostly, it was either cartoons, like from Cartoon Network, or Mm -hmm. it was superhero comics, which mostly had, you know, big muscled men just on covers everywhere and me being me being a 10 year old fantasy, you know, kind of gal wasn't really taking to that sort of approach (laughs) when I was younger. (laughs) So when I saw DC Superhero Girls, I was just like, you know what, that would have been the perfect show slash comic for me when I was that age. So it was kind of after Raven and going for the Teen Titans, DC Superhero Girls, the young adult kind of genre, I was really like, okay, I'm basically creating content that I would read when I was that age that I didn't get a chance to, which is really cool. I'm not gonna lie, it's really cool. I really like it. (laughs) I think it's like a good sum up of my life. Absolutely. And, and more proof the big two got into the young adult and all ages game too late. <laughs> exactly. I, it, that's a great, that's a great topic because it really needs to be like more accessible because young adult is such a great genre. You have characters of all different backgrounds of all different genders and orientations and everything just going through their own specific growth and their own specific life. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a great way to, you know, tell stories to people that, especially at that time in their life, when they're looking for escape and looking for stories that are relatable, that they can get through it too. Mm-hmm. And so young adult is a great genre and they should have done it sooner too. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yep. Money on the table. But uh... <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've, that is one of the, 
main themes that we come back to episode after episode and we talk to people more ya comics more fun comics are great and they're fun and they're silly but they can be serious and they can you know teach you lessons about life and that's why i like them so much is because they have that balance of emotion in it that really sucks you in and makes you actually like go with the character's journey and experience that Mm-hmm. That's why I took to all of those fantasy like fantasy things that I listed before was because you know you find these characters that are relatable and you know you just want to go on that journey with them. So you know hopefully with Inkblot, you go, you, everyone wants to go on that journey. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, so uh, you also uh did some uh promotional cards that came with the blu-rays for uh x-men dark phoenix and there you're definitely stepping into the world of of you know your dad and your uncle uh you know uh a bit more i guess (laughs) yeah um you know was that was that sort of a presence in your mind at all when you when you were drawing those 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 pictures of of sophie turner as (laughs) gene A little bit. I would say that was kind of, it was mostly just because, you know, we weren't doing the comic version. We were doing the movie version. Sure, sure. Um, But I think the biggest thing that I took away from that experience was really um, they hired female illustrators and female artists to do all these promotional cards for the Dark Phoenix film. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was you know, probably the best part about that kind of job was because they were promoting, you know, minorities and promoting Mm -hmm. that in this kind of industry. Um, And, you know, my dad and my uncle and my grandpa can't do that because they're not women. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) But, you know, approaching that kind of, that kind of legacy, it can be daunting a bit and that's probably why i like to go into my own little ya corner and draw my own little silly cat drawings but (laughs) but it's it's not really i guess it doesn't get daunting it's more Mm -hmm. just i you feel the legacy on you and it for me i'm actually really thankful for that legacy i'm really thankful to be in the family that i'm in and to be in the shoes that i'm trying to fill and it really is kind of uh it's it's exciting to be in the position that i'm in right now and i just want to do my best just so that you know it can continue i guess <laughs> was there ever a point you know was there did you ever go through like 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 a rebellious teenage phase when you were like, no, I don't want to be an artist. I'm gonna be an accountant or like oh something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my entire family is made up of artists. And I mean, honestly, I've always been into art, mm-hmm. but I would say the biggest thing that I didn't want to do was comics. And it was because one, you know being around it all the time, you can get really annoyed with it and being an emotional teen, you know, it gets a little hectic. (laughs) (laughs) But I think also the biggest thing was that, as I said, when I was younger, 
a lot of the things that I saw that were comics were more, you know, either for grown-up men or for little children, and there wasn't really anything that I took to until I saw that Harley Quinn on the bus that Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti did, and Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a second, comics are fun, okay. (laughs) (laughs) let me go back to this and let me do that (laughs) because that was really the point that I got to when I was just like okay comics aren't just you know just big muscly men fighting bad guys it's all about the characters and you can make the characters into whoever you want them to be and the way that you know Jimmy and Amanda brought Harley more into that spotlight and bringing her more into like that silly, that silly kind of funny, hilarious type way. And same with, you know, I think simultaneously for Marvel, it was Deadpool that that was happening with too, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was kind of like bringing in that humor, bringing in that silliness really kind of resonated with me and also having a strong female lead like that really just resonated with me as a person so I was like okay so they can do that with comics so I guess I can do that too and instead of you know making the muscly men I gravitate more towards the YA not that I wouldn't want to draw the muscly men I'm I'm you know I would like to as well (laughs) but it's good to have that on the record (laughs) Yeah, just letting you know. Just letting you know, guys. <laughs> I like Superman. I like Batman. I like them all. <laughs> Thor is cool, too. <laughs> but that's probably just why I gravitated more towards that stuff rather than, you know, the traditional superhero comic book stuff. <laughs> what Was it weird going to a school where your last name is on the building did that um i mean well the thing was is that i basically grew up with the school and i knew that i knew what entailed going to this school i mean mm-hmm. most people don't really know exactly what they're getting themselves into until they go to a place but for me I knew exactly what I would be getting myself into if I were to pursue a career in comics or if I were to go to the school or anything. So I actually went to college first. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design for two years for animation um, and storyboarding. Um, But that wasn't for me. I just, I decided it really wasn't for me and I needed to go home and really do the comic book boot camp because that was kind of the direction my life was heading in. Mm -hmm. So I had, you know, like 20 something years to prepare for the moment where I would go to school with my last name on the building. (laughs) (laughs) So I was pretty okay with it at that point. But I, I knew if I were to go, you know, into the industry that my dad went into, that my uncle went into, that my grandpa went into, I'd have very big shoes to fill so that's not really taken lightly with me that's that's very much a I know that this is the kind of thing that I'm stepping into so 
I want to do it right. And I want to make sure that it is for me. Mm -hmm. So going there, eh, it wasn't a big deal. I actually knew more of the teachers than I did the students like my first day, (laughs) 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 which was interesting. I kind of hung out with my mom in the art store during lunch. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever. Did I see that you were also, you did some instruction at the school as well? Yeah, I actually, I teach, um, currently I teach the online Saturday class. Mm. So, I mean, it, and it's all ages. So if you're, if anyone listening is in, interested, of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you just contact the school and I teach an hour and a half online class, uh, it's all ages and it's all basics. Um, but I've mostly taught the summer camps that have happened mostly cause I'm doing stuff during the year, this kind of stuff, you know, drawing cats and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have, and I hope one day that I can actually teach there full time, but I want to, I want to get some more stuff under my belt first. <laughs> Were you, did you were you ever doing uh you know were you on the convention circuit at any point you know is that something that you yeah. well if you were do, if you were doing it you know that you that you uh miss in this uh <laughs> if it were happening yes, yes. i'd be doing conventions <laughs> i actually i like doing conventions i mean i think it's a, a lot of fun to meet the people that you know not only like your work, but just like comics in general, or like, you know, game and media and all that kind of stuff. You're literally talking to people that have the exact same interests that you do. So it's, it's like one big party. It's fun. (laughs) And you're selling artwork. So that's cool, too. (laughs) But I always had a good time. I mean, I went since I was, I don't know, probably like when I was eight was like my first convention and I didn't like how crowded it was because I was short, so I, I would get lost. <laughs> was it like a New York or a San Diego? or? I've been to New York. I've been to San Diego. I think my first one was actually Philadelphia, though, oh, okay. which was really interesting. Um, going to New York was always a hectic one, and going to San Diego I thought was fun because it was a vacation. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a vacation for me. It was work for my dad. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I yeah. just think I need to. Someone has decided to take a a little nap. Oh, I sweet. Yeah, which she usually does not do during these recordings. She usually sits on my legs, but tonight she's decided to to be a show off and take a nap. Everyone, Bess is curled up in a cute little ball next to me with her paw over her eyes because she's. She's being a show off tonight because we kept talking about her. Isn't and and right? she's doing that because at the top of this episode, you said she wasn't going to cooperate. So she yes. came upstairs just to spite you with and love. Emma, it, Emma's openly weeping at this <laughs> beautiful gray cat. <laughs> One final cat story, I swear, but I can't resist it from you saying it. that. Do it. Um, Fair enough. I brought it on myself. Uh, <laughs> Felix, our old cat again, 
he Amber adopted him from this guy who he wasn't a shut in, but he didn't know people never came over. Felix for the first five years of his life only interacted with this guy and his little dog that thought it was a cat. Uh, then Amber adopted him and Felix, Felix would not like he hid for the first like month that she had him. And then he was friendly to Amber and no one else. Anybody else came, Felix would hide. Uh, I mean, this continued even after I came around. Like, we had him in an apartment. We weren't supposed to have cats for, like, four years. And the landlord had no idea because the minute anybody else came, Felix would just hide in the walk-in closet. He would come out for Dan because Dan was around enough that he got to recognize Dan's voice. But he wouldn't, like, come out and hang out. He'd just kind of poke his head in the room, his little head on this big, fat body. But nonetheless, when Amber and I started... When I fight, when I we moved in together, mm-hmm. Felix, I'd been feeding Felix, and Felix would kind of hang out in the room with me, but he wouldn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't generally a snuggly cat, but he would sit next to Amber. But one Sunday morning, a few weeks after I moved in, uh, Sunday mornings are Matt watches movies time because Amber likes to sleep <laughs> later than I do, so I get up. Back when, you know, now that there, when there were movie theaters, I would go out to a movie. Uh, But now, as back then, when we were living in Philadelphia, I would just put something on the, in the Blu-ray player. And this particular morning, Felix walked out and he started looking at me. And I was like, hey, buddy, I'm not on your cushion because Felix had claimed the middle cushion of the couch in between (laughs) us as his spot. But. At this point, he hops up and then curls up on my lap. And I'm like, holy crap, honey. Was that a magical moment for you? Oh, it was marvelous. <laughs> but I, I try to, Amber's dead to the world to sleep. So Felix eventually gets down and wanders away. And when Amber finally comes out, I'm like, Felix got up on my lap. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he did. He really did, hon. No, he may have leaned against you, but he doesn't get up on anybody's lap who isn't me to prove a point at that moment Felix wanders out and hops up in my lap and looks at Amber it's <laughs> like he knew I mean maybe he did but they all know yeah. that you're talking about them yep. and now that, I've, now that I've shown off Bess she's wandered off to eat because it's 9 oh, o'clock and it's, it's dinner time so <laughs> that, that means that it's you know once the you know, by this point Amber's probably home downstairs and she'll go Bess will go down and look at her and Amber will give Bess her dinner but oh. it's principle and I was like okay dinner time she has a very good sense of time not a good sense of much else but a very good sense of time it is a very magical moment when a cat chooses you, you know, just, just you, you know, I'm going to sit here and they don't really care, but you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm your throne. <laughs> <laughs> no argument there. <laughs> uh, so uh, Emma, what are you reading right now? Um, honestly, I'm not re- <laughs> Um, I'm usually the one drawing stuff, but I, for comics in general, um, I usually just look, I, I don't, I don't usually read a lot of comics anymore, but I look at a lot of the different art in comics (laughs) as inspiration and everything. Um, 
And I mean, more recently, I've been looking back at more of my favorite stuff. And a lot of that stuff is, you know, I, I love the Dark Knight series, Frank Miller. Um, <laughs> Darwin Cook uh, is one of my favorites. Um, Alex Raymond, who did the Rip Kirby uh, mm -hmm. comics, Alex mm -hmm. Toth. Um, but I've also been listening to a lot of audiobooks that are very fantasy genre. One's, mm -hmm. One is called Lies of Locke Lamora. Love it. That's a, it's a great book so oh. far. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, play, I created a D&D &D character who was Locke Lamora influenced. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Halfling, con man, thief, rogue. Yes, yes. I mean, that's a great book to listen to, especially, I mean, as we're, you know, doing all of this fantasy art and everything, mm -hmm. um, Rusty is actually the one that writes the dialogue. So all of the words that he, he's, he calls himself a wordsmith um, because <laughs> he is the one that writes the words, but I'm the one that lays everything out. <laughs> Um, and so what he was listening to as he was really writing all of this was called, it's a series called The Wheel of Time, sure. if you've heard of it. Robert um, it's, yep. it's so long. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's 14 books in the series, and they're fat books, hundreds and hundreds of pages. And, but it really influenced him as he was you know, writing Inkblot, which was really interesting because there's a lot of humor in it, but it's also like all that fantasy flourish that he added was really influenced by a lot of the books that we listen to over here. <laughs> um, but not so much comics right now. I would say one of the biggest things that I always look at is one of my favorite graphic novels, even before I liked comics was my grandpa's graphic novel, Yassel, was one of my favorite. It's, oh, it's, it is my favorite graphic novel of all time. And that's something that I always like to reference when I'm kind of figuring out drawing or, you know, I'm kind of stumped with inspiration. I look at a lot of that kind of stuff, not just comics, but just expanded media. <laughs> Um, well, Emma, as, as we're wrapping up, uh, how can people follow uh, what you're doing and, and Inkblot and, and all of that? Oh, yes. You were on Instagram, so you can follow Rusty Glad. You can follow Emma Kubert. Um, you can follow Inkblot Comic for a lot of updates and mini comics and fun illustrations and whatnot. Um, I'm on Twitter, Emma Kubert. It's very easy. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's, that's where you can find us. We're all on social media and you can contact us with any questions or anything. So very open, very friendly, very fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files media empire meaning you can find all our great comics coverage, along with some of the best X-Men and Marvel criticism around, at XavierFiles.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at XavierFiles.com, 
where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones at Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Lan M. from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics and Xavier Files on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel B. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. And until next week, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, be excellent to each other. WMQA!